This is the Horse Radio Network. This is episode 208 of the Dressage Radio Show on the Horse Radio Network. from Malvern, Pennsylvania, your co-host for today. And this is Lindsay McCall from Jupiter, Florida, and you're listening to the Dressage Radio Show, brought to you this week by the United States Paraquestrian Association. And we also have our producer, Glenn, with us. Hey, guys, it's good to have you back again, and hope it's uh, fun to have you on the show. Always a pleasure. I have an announcement to make before you get started with the Paris show today, and that is that uh, we're going to be doing something new on the Dressage Radio Show beginning in June, the second week of the month uh, on a Thursday evening. We are going to do start doing some live shows. Reese and Philip will be here live, and they're going to have a top-name rider here, and they're going to answer listener questions. We're doing this in conjunction with the good folks over at Dressage Daily. Uh, dot com. So they're going to be helping us out with it, and you're going to be able to call in and ask questions, and uh, you know whether it's uh, training questions or uh, whatever kind of questions you have about dressage. And we'll be announcing very shortly who the first guest host will be for that. But Lindsay and Philip will be here as well. So you have three Grand Prix riders on the phone that you'll be able to uh, get answers from, and that's whether you're para or able body. It won't matter. So. Um, we look forward to uh, starting that up, and we thank uh, Dressage Daily for their cooperation in getting it started. Well, this is Lindsay McCall, and we have Hope Han here today, and she's going to be my co-host. And not only is she the president of the United States Paraquestrian Association, but she's also a Paralympic rider, and a lot of people out there know who Hope is. And thank you so much, Hope, for coming on the show today. Oh, you're very welcome. <laughs> I'm excited to be here. Um, we have a lot of exciting um, things coming up this week. You want to talk a little bit about our news? We leave for Lyman, Maine on Tuesday to go up to Carlisle Academy. And mm-hmm. this is- now we have 12 riders going up there as well. Gone up to Carlisle Academy to... Um, conduct the symposium that is being hosted by the United States Paradisage National Training um, Symposium hosted by Carlisle Academy Integrative Equine Therapy and Sports. And Carlisle partners with the United States Equestrian Federation, the United States Paraequestrian Federation, and SmartPak to bring world-class education and training opportunities to the U.S. para dressage riders and coaches. And this event takes place May 29th through June 1st. There's a second part of that event also from the 29th to the 30th they are doing a train-the-trainer segment. The clientele going to this event, you have a rundown on that? How many riders do we expect? Oh, yeah, sure, sure. We have uh, 12 riders. Some We actually have a few of our Paralympic riders coming, as well as some new riders. We have two veterans that are coming. And it should be a, quite an exciting show, or I shouldn't say show, symposium, and we also have Haneke Gerritsen and 
Uh, we have Gil Merrick and Catherine Haddad, and I'm pretty excited about Catherine coming and, and teaching our riders a few things. And why are you excited about Catherine? Um, what's your experience with Catherine? Uh, have you ridden with Catherine or? Well, I've just, I've actually, I've never had the opportunity to ride with her. I would love to ride with her. Hey, um, hey, Catherine, I'll do a lesson. <laughs> um, a pretty neat listening. person. <laughs> We were lucky but enough actually, to um, spy on her when we were in Florida. So um, she had a nice facility down there, and um, yeah. there's a few demo- demonstrations and some of the horses that she had been working with. Yeah, that was a really nice opportunity, and she, I thought she really touched on the walk, and that's something that's a, a big deal in the paradressage world, that we need a horse with a really big walk, and I thought that was a very exciting time to come to her facility in um, Loxahatchee and and watch her clinic. Yeah, I know a lot of our um, grade one and two riders are coming just to meet her and just to work with their horses with her because she has the ability to really bring out the best in um, Mm -hmm. the walk gate. And we also have our British, our uh, Great Britain coach is coming. So that, that should be a really exciting weekend ahead next weekend. Yeah, he led the team to the gold medal, um, his yeah. grade one riders. And then in June, I know we have our Golden State Dressage Classic uh, CPEDI three-star in Rancho Marietta, California. And I know that's in the middle of the month. That's June 13th through the 16th. So that is going to be the one of the last qualifying opportunities this year for the for the World Equestrian Games, yeah. So I hope that we get a lot of riders there. I'm sure we'll see the Canadians there as well. I did hear, you know, a lot of people will be attending that last show, so. So today on the show, we have Mary Jordan first. And Mary Mary is a para-dressage, para a para-equestrian dressage rider. And she's a, a bit of a veteran. She's been here for a few years. And she last year was qualified as the reserve for the Paralympic team. And then she, this year, is campaigning for the 2014 World Equestrian Games. And she's campaigning with two of her horses, one Sebastian, named, uh, owned by D.C. Dennison, and the other horse is Clever, who she actually raised from birth. So I think it'll be a real exciting time talking to her, and we'll enjoy it. And then our second guest, Sarah Armentrout, is the owner, owner and founder of Carlisle Academy, which um, she will be heading the conference and symposium this week. And she also is, is becoming an integral part of the um, United States Para Equestrian Education Department. We are going to be taking this symposium on the road with Sarah's help and staff and so we can service the rest of the country, and the next symposium will be in the fall in uh, the West Coast in California, and that location will be announced later this summer. Right after this commercial, we are going to be speaking with Mary Jordan. Howdy everybody, Glenn here. We just finished a terrific series on leg protection that was brought to you by the good folks over at Thinline Global. If you missed it, go to horsetipdaily.com and check out all four parts. 
They still have a fantastic coupon for Horse Radio Network listeners for 12% off your next order at thinlineglobal.com. Whether you buy their saddle pads, horse boots, or tack items, everything is 12% off with this coupon code. Just type radio in the coupon section at checkout at thinlineglobal.com. Hey, Mary. Thanks for coming on the show today. And I want to first of all congratulate you because I don't know if we all officially congratulated you on the Florida CPEDI. You were the top rider there, top paraquestrian. How's that feel? Uh, it felt it was excellent. It was uh, I'm so proud of Sebastian. He was he was fantastic, and it was a real thrill to kind of come out. You know, the first show of the season and have him uh, be the high scorer. That was a great feeling. We're we're aiming for the 2014 wig, but I want to talk about your 2010. You your wig horse was Paxton Abbey, and then I want to say that you brought forward the baby of Paxton Abbey, Clever. And how has that been moving that little that baby along through the international para dressage world? Well, actually, Clever is Paxton's full sister. They're sisters. Um, I had oh. their mother. And I bred, uh, I bred my mare Nut Brown Ale uh, twice, and it's it's been a wonderful little family affair. Uh, Nut Brown Ale was, you know, my go-to horse that I could do everything on from, you know, recognized dressage shows and uh, eventing and uh, with my staff horse when I was fox hunting. And uh, she gave me these two beautiful daughters, and certainly... Um, uh, one of my greatest joys as an equestrian has been um, bringing along and developing my own horses. And uh, with Clever, it, it's been wonderful to to see her, you know, following in her mother's and her sister's footsteps. I think she's one of the cutest, cutest little horses. I know I've told you that so many times, but she's an adorable little mare with a great extension. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> 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 and uh, my question to you, since this is a horse that you raised, is it a little bit more difficult? Did you have that from birth connection when you're riding her versus you have, you know, Sebastian's your other horse, which is owned by DC? And do you have that connection with her? And is it any difference between her and Sebastian because you have that connection? Well, I, I think one of the the most fantastic uh things that you can experience as a competitor is is having a a very close relationship with the horse that you're riding. And in some ways, uh, that's easier when when you have done all the groundwork yourself and you've brought them so carefully up through the system. uh, You know that horse inside and out and you trust them and they trust you. And Sebastian was different because, you know, he was a mature horse. you know, who you know, grown up overseas. You know, we didn't. You know, we know he's been in dressage barns his whole life, but you, you don't know what his makeup is. But where I felt, I knew I felt an immediate connection with Sebastian, much in the same way I've always felt the connection with Paxton and Clever, and and that's mm-hmm. why he was the horse I decided uh, that I wanted to campaign because not every horse you sit on you get that incredible connection and feeling with. But Sebastian certainly was one, and my mares that I brought along myself has been mm-hmm. the other time I've experienced that. 
we did have a banner year in 2012 with Sebastian, and um, I wanted to ask you this. I know it was a real heartbreak for you because you were just, just points away from qualifying for the U.S. team in London. And, and you know how everybody talks about the team riders on the Olympic and Paralympic team, but give me a little perspective of what it's like to be the reserve rider. I was the reserve rider uh, for the first um, Paralympic um, show in, in Atlanta in 1996. So I, I can feel for you, and I, I've been in that position. But I want to hear how you you felt. Well, uh, now that you had a, you know, a couple months uh, distance from the, the whole situation, I, I will say this. <laughs> You know, um, it was an incredible experience uh, for me in 2012. And, you know, I knew going into it that the first and foremost thing that we had to do was rank a team. And the mileage and the experience that I got being in that mix to help qualify a team for London, uh, that to me was a great feeling. And I had... I mean, experiences of going to Australia and riding all different kinds of horses and catch riding in, in Del Mar and coming back and, and competing with Sebastian. So I, I look at the competitive mileage as invaluable. And the other thing that I felt really, really good about is that as a grade four, we, we know that we have to score in the top percentile in the, in the 70s uh, to, to be competitive and, and to the way that we had um, the ranking system to select the team, you know, it was, it was tough. You know, you had to really go all out to, to go for those points. And the fact that, that we were able to come so close as a grade four, uh, you know, that, that, that was about it really is. It's a great accomplishment, and um, uh, I don't want to forget the people that have made it to selection trial, your other teammates mm-hmm. also, and it is a lot to be proud about. And, you know, going into 2013, I'm sure, you know, reflecting back, you know, and your experience of through the 2012 year and all the training four years leading up to it, what is your plan now as we approach 2014 World Equestrian Games? Uh, as you mentioned earlier, Hope, I had an unbelievable opportunity to go to London uh, to be on the ground in the feed and bedding department with Kentucky Equine Research, uh, who's been a fantastic sponsor of mine since the 2010 WEG. And, you know, I, I put everything on the table to try to make the team. And, and Sebastian, to, in my mind, really rose to the occasion at the training camp. And, you know, I had to kind of close that chapter and get on the plane and, and go for a new experience. And, one of the great luxuries I had in being in Greenwich Park was really observing the competition and being there firsthand. And it really whetted my appetite is all I can say. I saw the standard uh, that's out there that we have to strive for. It really, it really fired me up for the WAG in Normandy for 2014. I, I, but I don't just want to make the team. I really want to be 
ready to represent the United States and produce the best possible tests that I know how to. And Sebastian was really a new horse to me in 2012, if you think about it. I mean, we had him mm-hmm. maybe a year. And our relationship has really gotten deeper. He's he's fitter. And, he, you know, he's really coming into his own. And uh, I'm excited about that. And, and that's what makes me feel good the first time out of the gate in Florida to come out and uh, you know, get the high score at the show and, and beat the Canadians that were in London, um, that was a great feeling. And then our next show, which was two weeks ago, to have him come out as high score again, I, I know there's more work to do, but those are steps in the right direction, and I, I hope to make each ride and each competitive experience better and better with him. Um, I'm going to just shift gears a little bit, and on a lighter note, um being a great four and you hinted the fact that um, virtually that is the highest grade um, in the para equestrian. Um, and the riders really don't look that disabled. When we went to the annual meeting, we we came across a person that would you impress somebody in the committee that you were on, he stopped me in the hall and he said, I met one of your para riders, Mary Jordan, and I was quite impressed with her. But he said, tell me, he said, I don't understand how she's a para rider. Mary, (laughs) tell us a little bit what happened. Um, You have multiple cirrhosis and sometimes you don't see the symptoms or you don't see the end result of what a uh, MS attack could leave a person maybe with some weaknesses, their invisible weaknesses to the general riding public. How do you conquer statements like this when somebody approaches you and and they feel that you're virtually an able-bodied rider? Well, as an MS patient, you get that statement a lot of, oh, you look so good. I mean, if I had a nickel for every time people told me that, I would have no problem funding my campaign to go compete in Europe. (laughs) Uh, But, you know, it's it's a lot of work, you know, as an MS patient. I mean, um, it's, uh, I am the third person in my family with this disease. And, you know, with my initial episode of MS uh, 11 years ago, I was bedridden for two weeks, unable to stand or walk. And I really had uh, a solid year of, of soul-searching and working um, at coming back into riding uh, competitively. Um, and I, it was a complete overhaul to my life. I mean, I looked at I went on uh, medication for MS three days after my diagnosis, um, you know, fitness and diet and wellness. And every I have done everything to try to be the healthiest person I can be. And I do have to work at it, you know. Um, and Mary, and prior to becoming um, a para-equestrian, para-dressage discipline, um, tell us a little bit about what you 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 did in the past as far as um, riding and competing. Well, I've been actively competing um, since sixth grade uh, when I started riding and hunter hunter jumpers, and then I did show jumping in high 
high school, I rode on an intercollegiate team at Kent School. Dressage was always a passion of mine, though, ever since I saw it in the 1986 um National Sports Festival when I saw London Gray and Selden Seen, and I tried to make my 28-year-old thoroughbred uh, do those types of pirouettes and extensions. Um, <laughs> so I always, <laughs> I always kept the flame alive for dressage, uh, but I really fell in love with three-day eventing, um, <laughs> and I, I evented for over 30 years. And Paxton, my uh, 2010 leg horse actually was my top eventing champion of all time. I mean, her, her mother won events in New England, but with Paxton, we, in 2007, when I actually uh, was three years into my MS diagnosis, uh, Paxton won Horse of the Year nationally with the U.S. Eventing Association in three categories. And, and we did the uh, training level three-day half-star format. Um, so I, I love, I love that sport and I love how it is pretty objective. You know, it's a, it's a time, a distance, a penalty point, the rails stay up, the rails come down. Um, uh, it's a big adjustment to kind of go into paradressage, which is more like I would liken it to figure skating, which I also did as a kid a little bit. It's a little bit more subjective. Um, but, um, yeah, I've, I really was in a small pony club uh, growing up in upstate New York, and we did all the disciplines. We played polo. Um, we did games. We did – it was multidisciplinary. I was in that pony – well, not the same pony club, but the pony club uh, times as well. That was a great time. Those game rallies, I just – I had the most wonderful time in pony club. I bet you did too. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. My daughter did Pony Club, too. In fact, I was the treasurer of Pony Club, one of the largest Pony Clubs. So it, it's a great it's a great background for kids growing up in barn management. Um, I'll tell you, I wish all our riders would come up the ranks that way. Oh, yeah. You learn <laughs> to clean your tag properly. You learn to do everything on your own without your mom watching you and helping you. It's lo- it's lovely. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Mary, I have a question about, in 2012, Ann Romney, who also has multiple sclerosis, was running as the wife to the presidential nominee. And I was wondering, did that have an effect on you personally as her running for multiple sclerosis? Did people start noticing or talking to you about it at all? Did that have any type of effect? Actually, it did to a degree because um, one of the most important things I do, Lindsay, um, when I'm not in the TAC is I am a MS advocate and, and public speaker. And I've, I've gone all over the country um, connecting with MS patients. Certainly, um, uh, Mrs. Romney's involvement in dressage and being an MS patient, uh, you know, brought up many, many questions about the sport and, you know, does uh, horseback riding help MS and, and those types of things. So that it, it definitely opened up some doors of communication and interest um, regarding horses and MS uh, through Ann Romney. Mary, thank you so much. Well, thank you guys as well. Um, Lindsay, I think you do a wonderful job covering um, para for USTEA and, and, and spreading the word about para. And, awesome. hope, you know, we, we can never thank you enough for uh, your commitment and uh, your tireless advocacy 
<laughs> to, to take care to the next level. So hopefully we can re- we can all pitch in and reward uh, reward those efforts with some medals. Next up, right after this commercial, we'll be speaking with Sarah Armitrot, the executive director of Carlisle Academy. She will be uh, telling us about the um, upcoming Power Dressage National Training Symposium. Glenda Geek here. You know, I get asked all the time by horse people, I want to build my own website. What service should I use? Well, there's only one service I recommend without hesitation, and that is Squarespace.com. If you're looking to build a website for your horse farm, training business, boarding stable, or personal rider page, or maybe even a blog, and you want to do it yourself and end up with a professional-looking website, then there's only one place to go, Squarespace. Squarespace makes it easy with one of the simplest do-it-yourself interfaces available. You choose the theme you like, and then you just drag and drop the elements you want into that theme and start adding your pictures and content, and off you go. Plus, they give you 15 days to try it with no strings. They don't even ask for your credit card. If you sell things, they even have an e-commerce solution. Plus, your new website will integrate with Facebook and Twitter like a dream. I've been using this company for years and have recommended it to dozens of horse people. No matter what your skill level, Squarespace is for you. Give it a try for 15 days free by going to horseradionetwork.com and clicking on the Squarespace banner on the right side of the page. Horseradionetwork.com, click on the Squarespace banner on the right side of the page. Hi, Sarah. This is Hope um, from USPEA, and I'm so so happy that you're our guest tonight because I want want everybody to know a little bit more about Carlisle Academy, which is the host of our upcoming um, training symposium, and we'll talk a little bit about that a little bit later. But um, to start off, Sarah... Give us a little bit of background, what led you into this uh, fine venture. Tell us a little bit about yourself, your family. Well, thank you, Hope, and it's great to um, be talking to you and be on the call today. And um, we're really excited to be hosting the um, National Paradressage Symposium. We've, um, we are all systems go on the farm, and there's a great team of people working on this effort, and we are excited to have everybody come in next week. So things are buzzing, I can tell you. <laughs> well, I know. my I've been emailing you nonstop, so I apologize for bombarding your email inbox. <laughs> Not at all. No, it's great. I, You know, I would say... Uh, first and foremost, Carlisle Academy is made up of a great team of people. I am lucky to have a wonderful staff uh, behind me that, you know, they're equally as passionate about the undertakings that we do um, at Carlisle. And um, we have uh, several programs, and I, I do live on the farm. I founded the program with my husband, Nick, and we have... Where, where exactly uh, is this located, Sarah? We're in Lyman, Maine, wonderful Lyman, Maine, uh, which is very close to the hometown I grew up in. Um, and we have a lovely, just quiet family farm, uh, out, nice rolling fields, and just a, a, a peaceful setting to host uh, this this kind of a symposium. And my, I live there with my three children, and we have 20 horses on the farm, and we have been running a therapeutic riding program now for 15 years. 
um, in the in the past couple of years, we expanded our programming and also had a name change to Carlisle Academy. And in that expansion, we were able to uh, not only do the therapy and adaptive programs that we've run now for 15 years, where we have hippotherapy, adaptive riding, which is also known as uh, therapeutic riding to many people in the in, uh, out there in the public. <clears throat> we have adaptive carriage driving. We have a wonderful program for disabled veterans that we've been doing uh, first in, in the state of Maine in, back in 2008. Um, and we have programs for elderly, silver spurs, uh, we call it, and the list goes on. <laughs> Interactive volume. And you, you have able, able-bodied lessons as well, correct? Yes. Yeah. That's really interesting because um, I myself um, started in an, uh, at an equestrian center in my early 20s located in Pennsylvania, and we had the full in- inclusion approach, which yes. in, in that time was um, very unique. And, yes. and you're, explain to me, like in your program, when you say that you you're fully integrated do you have group lessons with both able-bodied students and your para-equestrian um, students? We do, and our, and our therapeutic riding students as well. We, we have um, distinct tracks where we have, um, it, we, we call it our sports and education uh, department. We have the therapy and adaptive department in sports and education. And then within that, we do have traditional riding lessons with a focus in dressage and, and venting. Um, we have sport vaulting, which is a really exciting new um, venture we're getting into. Um, but but as much as we have distinct tracks, we also have integrated tracks. So we have a wonderful uh, team called Team Carlisle, which is an integrated, able-bodied, and uh, special needs team. And they work beautifully as a group and as a team. And they go out to mainstream horse shows. Um, as well as a little inner barn competition that we've set up um, with a, uh, another so, like-minded uh, farm. like and a quadrille so, or? Uh, not so much a quadrille. They, we do have our own little class list we put together, and it's a variety of, um, you know, in-hand classes and equitation classes and something that you would find at a mainstream horse show. And, and we also give them an opportunity to go out um, in, in you know, a local horse show. So that's our team, Carlisle. Uh, we do have para riders that also go out to local dressage shows. We've really been um, promoting our uh, local dressage associations to to pick up the para classes, and they've been very willing uh, to do that uh, with great success. So, so we have recreational elements, competitive elements, and and where it makes sense to be inclusive within the groups, we absolutely do that and promote that. We have some after-school programs called Saddle Club. Um, so we we love what we do, and I believe full, fully in an integrated and inclusive environment. I, I think that um, it makes for a richer environment for people to learn in. I think it makes for a supportive learning environment, and that's important for children today and, and adults and for people to be able to, to be on a farm that's, that's open and expansive and to sort of look in one direction and you might see jumping going on or, or you know, cross-country in a field and you turn around you might see hypotherapy going on in the covered arena. So there's there's a lot happening, um, but it's... So the benefits... Go ahead. 
endless as far as confidence building, social skills. Um, for me, yeah, I mean, the experiences um, that I had were invaluable and I think uh, actually shaped a good part of my adult life. Yeah. And, um, Sarah, I commend you because there's not many um, undertakings right now, even though it's been 30 years since I first, you know, entered a facility like that, which is amazing to me. So I think that the work that you're doing it, it just will mushroom eventually um, when the word gets out. And um, <laughs> we need to educate the public. Yes. Well, um, as I said, I, I believe inclusion is um, really does make for a rich learning environment, and um, I, I really wouldn't have it any other way. We've really done it that way since the beginning. It's just that with, with Carlisle Academy, we were able to formalize that and really flesh out different parts of our program. Um, and, and the benefit, I would also say sort of a, a hidden benefit is we have a very family-centered approach because we have children that ride in both the traditional lessons and then a sibling who might be disabled is riding in hippotherapy or adaptive riding. So, you know, family is, can come for um, an hour and two or three children may be served and, and seen in that, in that um, time. So that's really special for a family to be able to do that together as well. Yeah, I really like that because you're not running in all different directions um, with uh, each child. And this way, you know, they can really uh, do do an event like this together. So uh, yeah. it makes a lot of sense. Absolutely. Sarah, you keep talking about um, hippotherapy and then you say adaptive riding or um, what we also call <laughs> therapeutic riding. riding. Yep. Yes. But yep. I would like to know, can you tell me what the difference is? The difference is very uh, distinct. One is a more clinical approach. Um, hippotherapy is really the clinical uh, piece of equine-facilitated therapy. It has to be done with a physical uh, therapist, occupational therapist, or speech therapist, and they mm -hmm. are licensed, credentialed um, professionals, as well as specially trained in hippotherapy, so they're, they have additional training in that modality. Um, and so for them, it's not about teaching riding. It's really about the rider uh, receiving the movement of the horse. It's a dynamic moving surface, and it's kind of like the um, therapist has the opportunity to leave the, the more clinical setting of a therapy room and go to an arena with a giant moving therapy ball, if you will, <laughs> on, four, wow. on four legs. Yeah, and they and they the rider is often um, moving in many different developmental positions. So they might be sideways, backwards, hands and knees, doing puzzles on the horse's back, reaching games, crossing midline. So all the sorts of things a therapist might do in a room and or use on a ball or a vestibular swing, they're able to then transfer to the back of the horse. And for our therapists, you know, the therapists we have just call it their nirvana because they see such uh, incredible results, often a big spike in, in the gains that a, a rider will have, particularly if you can um, have younger riders and early intervention. Um, our therapist mm -hmm. has seen uh, really, really tremendous gains in language, um, core stability, 
balance, coordination, um, absolutely the confidence is a big piece of that. Um, but there are really um, f- true physical benefits that come from that um, as well. So so we, we love it, and we're learning every day. We're fascinated, and we're, we feel so fortunate that we get to do this work every day. Um, I'm lucky that we have at Carlisle two, um, t- two of our therapists are the highest credentialed you can be. It's the hippotherapy clinical specialist, and it's part of the American Hippotherapy Association board certification. Um, so they are uh, one of 87 uh, worldwide, and they're both right in name. So that's, that's also pretty exciting for us. That is. That's very it exciting. And you have the symposium coming up, the National Paradisage Symposium. Can you tell me a little bit about what's going to be going on there this next weekend? Well, it'll be a flurry of activity, but all good. And uh, the symposium is part of our third uh, leg of our stool, which is our training and leadership program, where we have dedicated staff and resources to put together clinics and workshops and trainings. And we partner with um, associations like USPEA and USDF to be able to, to uh, host events like this and, and convene the faculty and the, the riders, the participants, and uh, be the convener for those um, sorts of things to take place. So we did uh, put our heads down a, a, several months ago and had committee meetings about what we wanted to put together um, at next week's symposium, and I think we have a really super lineup of um clinicians and workshops, lectures. Uh, so as, as many already know, we have um, world-class judges and clinicians coming in. We have Hanukkah Gerritsen from Holland, Clive Milkins from uh, Britain, and he helped to coach the British team to gold medal in London. Uh, Catherine Haddad-Stoller from um, Florida is coming up, and we're thrilled to have her. And then Gil Merrick, uh, who will help facilitate... Um, the whole uh, theme of pro- the theme of the symposium, which is the team approach, and we're really uh, trying to promote the idea of coming together. We're such a big country and spread out, and um, uh, you know, people are, are trying to find ways to find common ground uh, for how they can be the very best they can be in their um, their para dressage pursuits um, as an athlete, as a competitor. Um, and and someone and just as someone who's dedicated to promoting this sport, so I think it's it's re- really going to be an exciting um, symposium. Well, it really so, is a work ahead. in progress. And um, I mean, explain train the trainer how important it is that we have qualified, certified trainers to guide our uh, high performance um, riders to the you know, the absolute best. And, and explain why it's so important and, and the concept of being having a structured program. Absolutely. And I think I think structured and consistency and um some equity across the country, um, having sort of equal opportunity across the country, those those are all really important things to put together a concerted effort for for train the trainer. Um, we, we've worked hard to bring in people who have the expertise like um, Hanukkah and certainly hope you'll be there and 
um, Gail, who's going to facilitate, and Clive, who's going to speak to how the British system works. Um, and we have uh, PowerPoint presentations on the 2013 tests and unpacking uh, those new dressage tests, how the classification system works, um, and really the, the sort of para 101. And without that, I think people, both riders and judges and trainers, feel a little lost about how to tackle uh, this discipline and and how to how can they be um, the most competitive out there, whether it's locally, regionally, nationally, or internationally. So this this speaks from a national and international level uh, to the trainers who are who are then going home to their uh, riders in their hometowns and helping them uh, with what kinds of equipment they need, the compensating aids, what's allowed, what's not allowed. Um, it's really the, the rules and regulations um, demystified. <laughs> and and yes. what, what I've learned is that there is, there's a lot of demystification to take place. <laughs> I think people are hungry for knowledge. They really are. And I, I think that one of the roles we can play is to uh, create supportive learning environments, whether it's in Maine or we take the program on the road and we go to California and wherever else, Georgia, wherever it, it can help riders come together and feel like they can come and learn um, in a safe, supportive way and get the information that empowers them to go back out and um, you know, continue to train at their best, know that there's an organization and, and USPEA and USDF behind them to to create that medal-winning team that everybody uh, wants to see. Well, you're absolutely right, and it's such a big a leap from going from um, recreational riding into competition and um, USPEA being the national organization um, needs an entity uh, education department to tie it all together. Um, just the short time that Lindsay has been on staff with us, um, she gets numerous emails and calls how to get started and what yeah. is dressage and what people don't realize the name itself means parallel to dressage yes. able-bodied dressage so parallel mm -hmm. is really the same as but done um with adaptive equipment if if it's necessary aids that will allow a rider with a disability to compete successfully in the um upper level uh show arenas so um, this is really an important step for our country, our national organizations, and um, I thank you for, you know, um, taking this huge enterprise on. And <laughs> I, 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 think it, I think that it will meet with great success in the future if we follow, you know, our plan. Absolutely. I think, well, I think we, it's very twofold too because there are so many people that come to me and they don't realize they're able to be a paraquestrian they can classify right. as a paraquestrian or those trainers that will be there this weekend learning and learning how to train how what adaptive aids to use i'm sure there's a bunch of trainers out there in the able-bodied world that would be more than happy to train a paradressage rider but they just need to get the knowledge and the understanding of how and what they need to do. Yes, absolutely. And, and, and giving them the tools, 
um, is empowering. Mm-hmm. Education is empowering. It really and, is. And, and we have a, new, yeah. a whole new clientele that's really exciting that we really didn't mention is the veteran program. And, yeah. Uh, Sarah, you've been committed to that for a few years now. Yes. Absolutely, and I, I think uh, we we love working with the veterans that come to our uh, program, and we see just really wonderful benefits with their time uh, with the horses, and um, and I think it's wonderful that USPEA has um, gotten behind uh, really supporting veterans coming through as para riders because um, it, it it's just a perfect link, and uh, and I really hope that that's a program that takes off. Oh, it, it has already, Sarah, and um, I, I am excited. In fact, we have two veterans that will be attending uh, this yeah. coming sem- uh, a, a symposium. Yes, that's really exciting, and uh, we're we're picking out the perfect horses for them. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'd like to thank you, Sarah, for coming on the show today, and Hope and I really enjoyed speaking with you, and kind of getting to know a little bit more about what's going on this next weekend. And I look forward to seeing you there and meeting you in person finally. Well, you can find our show notes and links to today's guest on the website at dressageradio.com or like us on Facebook, just search for Dressage Radio Show. Follow us on Twitter at Horse Radio. You can learn more about the United States Paraquestrian Association at uspea.org or on Facebook. And don't forget to check out all the other shows on the Horse Radio Network at horseradionetwork.com. Hope, I want to thank you for co-hosting the show with me today. I, I had a wonderful time with you. And and next month, I'll be back on once a month again. And I'm looking forward to it. We have some more exciting guests coming on. Well, thank you, Lindsay. And I'm sure we'll have a lot of tales to tell. Thank you.